Welcome to Group Talk. Four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Leadership Journey with Bill Search. Welcome back to the Leadership Journey. I'm your host, Bill Search, and uh, recently I had the incredible opportunity to present at the Right Now Media Conference uh, down in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Although, depending on where you are listening from, it might be over in Texas or up to Texas. I'm in Oklahoma, so it's down to Texas for me. But anyhow, I spoke at this uh, conference, did a couple workshops, and one in particular I thought would be very helpful to this crew. So if you don't mind, I thought I'd just share the cliff notes from that presentation. And uh, this month, I'm going to hit the first five, and then the next month, I'm going to hit the next five. And if you saw the title of this particular podcast uh, session, you uh, you know that this is uh, entitled Keys to Navigating the Inevitable Challenges Facing Small Groups. All small groups uh, from time to time are going to face some or all of these problems. And this is true whether you lead a small group as an individual or whether you lead the small group ministry as the overseer of it, or if you're a participant like a a coach or an associate pastor of groups, depending on the size of your church. So uh, in my 20 plus years of experience, both being in a small group, uh, as a participant, as a leader, I lead a couple small groups right now. Um, and, uh, And so these are experiences that I've had both at that kind of frontline level, but also as a ministry leader one who's charged with the oversight of the ministry. So I thought I'd share these with uh, with those at that conference. And the more I thought about it, I, I hope it's helpful to you as well. So there's 10 of them, and we're going to hit five this uh, this session. And then uh, the next, uh, next session, we're going to hit part two. So buckle up. So I got to get through these pretty quick. Um, what I noticed uh, through the years is that there are three types of challenges. Again, whether you lead a small group or you oversee the ministry, there are three types of challenges that you're going to encounter. The first one is everyday issues. The second is occasional issues. And the third is rare issues. So if you're catching that, if you're listening and you're not able to write that down, it's just the stuff that comes at you every day. There's the things that come from time to time. And then there's the the, the ones that come very rarely. And uh, so what do you do? So let's, um, let's dig into these. We're going to hit the first uh, five in this session. So we're going to hit everyday issues. We're going to cover that one, and we're going to cover one occasional issue. So ready? Everyday issue number, number one, no one will lead a group. Now, this is probably more for uh, the person who oversees the group ministry than the group leader. However, if you're in a small group where multiplication is a big deal, where they preach that a lot, and and uh, your overseer, your coach, pastor's like, hey, make sure you're raising up other leaders in the group. And so you're doing your best to try to do that. And no one will step forward, right? If, uh, if that is uh, your story, that's not an uncommon story. That's an everyday issue. And so what does a ministry do when they have a problem where people want to be in a small group, but nobody will lead the small group? So, so here's a few things that I have tried through the years, and uh, and so, by the way, when we do these, I really would love to see your comments in our Facebook group, uh, as well as uh, comments on the 
on the podcast, evaluation and so forth. Just uh, love to get feedback and your thoughts. So here's here's what I do. No one a leader group. Um, I've employed the host strategy. That's big at Saddleback. They kind of pioneered it. But that idea, if you're not familiar, is is somebody who says, look, I don't want to lead a group, but they can meet in my house. I'll host it. Okay, great. If you'll host it here, um, here's some material. Just, you know, pull some chairs in a circle and here's a, a list of questions. You're not leading it. You're just hosting it. And uh, it takes really the pressure off the idea of leading. Because a lot of times people won't lead because they think, well, I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not mature enough. And a lot of times that is true. But they can host it. They can they can open up their lives and their homes. And in the process, God can meet them where they're at. And you as the ministry leader can come alongside them and get them where they need to be. So uh, host strategy is a good one. There's an old fashioned one. Uh, I always love the term, term for this one. It's called a turbo group. Uh, if you're not familiar, just Google a turbo small group. There's a gazillion resources out there, I bet. But turbo groups are just, um, if nobody will lead, but you go, all these people can lead. Why won't they lead? Because of one reason or another, one barrier or another. Um, what I do is I just circle up a group of people that you think can lead and uh, give them a small group kind of experience, train them in the small group setting and let them know up front, here's what I hope happens. Uh, I just, a fair warning, I was in a turbo group. It was the first group experience I had in the first church that I, uh, my wife and I, newly married, started attending. And it was our first uh, small group experience as a couple. And we were all supposed to lead our own small groups. There was only like one or two couples in the group that maybe weren't, quote unquote, leadership uh, potential, I suppose you could say that. But uh, there was a couple that had rotated back from the mission field. And then there's uh, Karen and me, my wife and, and me. And, uh, you know, I classically trained in Bible and theology and was just sitting there in the pews. So, you know, I could have led a group, but I wasn't leading a group. The guy who was actually leading the group was the uh, like vice president of a small Christian publishing company. So he was very, very qualified. He and his wife were both like uh, alum of a prominent Christian college. And there was another couple in there that were really, really strong on fire for the Lord. And so the idea was we were going to be a turbo group and our turbo group lasted as a small group for like two more years. So it doesn't always work, but it's a neat idea when it works. And then uh, the other thing you can do, uh, and this is something I experimented with vastly, I, I, I adapted what I learned from Saddleback and what I learned from churches like North Point and their group link event and then we did adaptations for our own church and we did a connection event. So this works primarily well in larger churches. I'll be honest, uh, small churches may not have the critical mass to do this one, but in larger churches, thousand, 2000 people, or if your church is like 500 and you're just brand new with small groups, you've never done it before. You can do a connection event. You start wearing your people out. I found personally in churches of less than about 2000 after a while the people who are going to come to a connection event have come and then the rest is not people who are going to come so the uh, attendance of those drops precipitously unless you have a, a constant influx of brand new people so um, you can always count on me to tell you the truth so just so you know all right so that's a that's a host and connection event that's a, that's just everyday issue number one uh, no one will lead and if you encounter that one just know that that's not a new thing that 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 problem's been around since uh the first century of the church 
And um, you can actually look in the early church fathers and some of the apostolic writings, and you can actually see it in there. They don't say no one will lead a small group. They use different vernacular, but the gist is there that there's always people who need have needs and there's not enough people to lead. So um, everyday issue number one was no one will lead a group. Everyday issue number two, people won't come to my group. I am a leader of a group. I have a great group of people. There's no reason they can't come, but they don't come. And uh, lest you think you're alone, that happens to me and my small group. I've got a family right now. They just think, they don't even think twice. I don't even think they have a conscience about it. Uh, I, I love them. They're great, great people. They don't listen to this podcast, so I can tell you. I won't tell you their names, but but just a couple of weeks ago, we were having a small group. They said they were coming. They were actually bringing, uh, I think, beverages or something. And uh, they had an assignment of what they were going to bring and uh, the wife thought the husband was going to text. The the husband, I guess, either forgot or thought the wife was going to text. So like 15, 20 minutes into our small group, we're still waiting for them to come. And uh, finally, my 16-year-old son texted their 16-year-old son only to discover that they weren't planning to come. They had like made the decision at like 2 or 3 in the afternoon or something, which frustrated me. And if that sort of thing happens to you, then you are not alone. So what do you do? Well, not a new problem. Been around since the early church. Um, I, as a, as a weirdo, I, for fun, uh, at night, I read from the Antinician Fathers. I recently acquired a multi-volume set. In fact, if you're, if you're able to watch this, I don't know if we're recording this, but right over my, uh, my left shoulder, so it'd be to your right. I don't know which way you're looking at this thing, is the whole set there. Antinician, Nician, and Post-Nician Fathers is pretty beautiful set. Anyhow, I'm only in volume one because it's something like 40,000 pages. It's going to be something I read for the rest of my life. But anyhow, I digress. Um, I'm reading for fun the early church, Antonician Fathers, first couple centuries. And one of the themes that keeps coming up in their writings, Ignatius talks about it, Polycarp talks about it, that people aren't coming to church. That, and this is during persecution, right? So there's a reason people might not want to come to church. They might not want to die. And they might not want to get arrested, you know, or they might not want to starve to death. And uh, and they're like, uh, the person who doesn't come to church is arrogant, and they have uh, spoken judgment unto themselves. Uh, it's a good kind of King James-ish reading. But anyhow. Uh, not a new problem. In other words, I just want you to be comforted in that. I don't want you to think you're weird. I'm not weird. You're not weird. So uh, the first thing is to find out why. I mean, before we get judgy about why people aren't coming is to make a phone call. Uh, don't make any assumptions. Don't gossip about the problem. Talk to the people and find out what's going on. You know, maybe it's all legitimate. A lot of times it is. Um, sometimes it's not. You have to address that. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, when you pick up the phone, I, I had a call with a, with a group participant, not that long ago, not the same people I'm talking about. And, and the, the person said to me, no, we're, we're committed to the group. And I over the phone or in, in person, I said, no, you're not. I had met with the person in person. I said, you're not. And they were kind of taken aback at my brutal honesty. Now, if you're into Enneagram, I'm an eight. So I don't usually have too much trouble telling people what I think about things, but, but I, I just, in that moment, was kind of frustrated. So I was like, well, you aren't committed to this thing. So you should become committed to this thing. And uh, and then he made a vow. I'm like, he's now I'm committed. So we'll see. 
Um, but anyhow, find out why, because usually there's some reason to it that isn't just, oh, there's a better football game on or something. Uh, and then set a calendar and stick to the plan. This one's a hard one because you sometimes think, well, if we don't have critical mass, we're just not going to do it. And you have to decide for you what critical mass is. I can't tell you what that number is. It could be if you're a couple leading a group and you have another couple show up, have the group with the four of you. Maybe that's the plan. Maybe you just do some adjustments with who's there. Don't worry about the people who have dropped behind. If you have half your group present, um, you don't have to get too, uh, too worked up about uh, the other people falling behind. Um, we like to kid ourselves into thinking everybody remembers where we're at in a study and they're not. They don't usually remember. So uh, set the calendar, stick to the plan, and then uh, release people who miss regularly. I mean, if somebody just, they just don't come, they just uh, come when it suits them, then just let them go and uh, let them know. You could do one of two things. You could either just go, hey, you know, obviously this isn't working for you and that's okay. Uh, come back to us when it will. Or you could just um, change when your group meets, not tell them and just see if they notice. I'm just kidding about that last one. Probably don't do that one. That one would be very, very rude. Uh, if I suggested that, my wife would hit me right now if she was in the room. So that's everyday issue number two. People won't come to my group. It happens all the time. All right. Everyday issue number three. Uh, oh, let me back up. I saw on the Facebook group, somebody had commented like, hey, I'm having a hard time with people coming to uh, to meet my small group and different people were making comments and I never know how to take the comments. I, the, you know, some, some people are like, well, when I serve a meal, uh, then people are there. And my wife's a gourmet chef. Okay. She cooks a meal for our small group every single time we meet and it's fantastic food. I eat better when our small group meets and I always eat good. So just for the record on that. And, um, you know what? Let's be honest about what works and what doesn't work. And let's, when we're on that Facebook group, I'm not saying the person who made that comment is not honest, just to be clear. Just if you're listening to this right now, I am not calling you out in this format. I'm not saying that. I'm just encouraging us to one, ask our questions and participate on that Facebook group. Uh, and let's uh, put, a, put the thoughts on there. But let's be 100% honest. God doesn't like it when we're not honest. And it's not helpful to one another if we're not honest. So if something is working for you, then be very upfront about how it's working for you. But, if, but, it, but don't, that's not a place for, um, for a, a philosophical idealism, if that makes sense. So again, I'm not calling anybody out. I'm not criticizing anybody. So if you listen to this right now and you're like, it does work for me, that was my comment. I am so glad for you. So, all right. Hey, what's up, Small Group Network? Jason Banzoff here, Group Talk producer, and it's the middle of November. Now, I'm sure you've been gearing up for what's ahead for 2022, but I'm also pretty certain you're looking for some continued learning in your plan as well. Well, look no further because the lobby gathering is the place for you to be. Join us February 22nd to the 24th, located at Saddleback Church's stunning Rancho Capistrano Retreat Center. The Lobby Gathering is an out-of-the-box small group networking event where we create environments for small group point people to relax and connect together in casual conversations about small group ministry, much like they would in a church lobby over a cup of coffee. Now, whether you're a beginner or a veteran small group point person, you will have an equal voice in each circle of conversation. You will also get to hear and learn from the brightest small group point people from around the world. Visit smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash conferences to sign up today. Again, that's smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash conferences. Now, we haven't gathered like this since 2020, so be part of this regathering celebration. Now back to Leadership Journey. 
Everyday issue number three, group is stale and boring. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had a group meeting? You're like in the middle of it as you're leading it. You're like, this is so bad. <laughs> this is so bad. I, I preach and teach sometimes. And uh, sometimes in the midst of a teaching, I'm like, oh, this is not good. It's worse, trust me, when it's just you up there. All right. So this is a normal issue that groups face. I mean, not every group. It's like a movie, you know, or a, a Pick, pick your favorite TV series. Not every episode's like a, you know, a cheering winner kind of thing. So what do you do? Um, there's a few things you can do. Mix up your meeting location or format. Um, if you're used to meeting in uh, it, your house or someone's house, then rotate around where you meet. If you're used to um, uh, uh, having the same, like, hey, we do an icebreaker and then we do a Bible study and then we do prayer, then start with your prayer time and mix it up. Um, do your prayer time and then icebreaker or something. End with an icebreaker. That'd be kind of weird, but it'd be hilarious. Um, I've never done that just for the record. So. Uh, and then rotate leadership. You might always lead. Maybe you do this now, but if you don't, uh, and the group is getting kind of a little bit meh, then uh, maybe rotate leadership. It's interesting how different people lead. Uh, you might also, by the way, answer question number one of when nobody will lead and you can't find anybody to lead. You might find some new leaders if you rotate leadership. Um, choose a different style of study. You might, in your group, you might always watch, for instance, video, and that's great. And um, But if the group's getting kind of stale and fuzzy, listen to somebody else that does video. Um, if you, um, if you, that is, uh, pick a different teacher. Um, you make sure you get this approved with your pastor or director because you want to make sure you're not introducing some kind of crazy loon there's all kinds of video teaching out there now thank you youtube you're so thoughtful to provide it for us anyhow um so anyhow choose choose a a, a different speaker choose a different style um if you're used to video go to inductive bible study if you're used to inductive bible study try one of those crazy videos from time to time um, just mix it up a little bit. If you uh, if you always do a, a book study, that is, you read the latest thing that a celebrity preacher has written, and they're all so good. I'm sorry, did you catch the sarcasm? Um, the uh, but some of them are really good. Okay, so like you know, if you've if you for instance, uh, one of my uh, ones that I've I've just heard great things about. I haven't read is Derwin Gray's new book on the Lord's Prayer. Um, it was just. Uh, I mean, I've just heard bits about it and it makes me want to read it. And that one might be a good one for your small group is something along those lines where you, where you grab a book that has some, some, uh, claw into the scripture. Uh, Kyle Eidelman is uh, one of my favorite authors. I used to work for him or with him. I should say I worked for the church. I didn't work for him, but, uh, Kyle's written a bunch of books. He's, he has a great book on, on Hebrews that uh, has a yellow cover. I can't remember the name of it right now, but you can easily find it. It's really good. Um, and that one's the type thing. Anyhow, you get the gist. And then uh, have a meeting of just icebreakers and games. If you're getting kind of stale, just have a party. Throw a party. Have a dinner. Uh, do Grab one of those cubes of questions. Just pre-select some questions because I've been in I, – I have a bunch of these. I love icebreakers. I love them. Like, for instance, here's the best icebreaker in the world. If you could – see any concert in the history of humanity, who would you go see? Isn't it the best one? There's not a finer icebreaker question than that one. That's my favorite because I like music. And uh, depending on my mood, I change it. Like right now, I'd go see Miles Davis. That'd be awesome. 
see Miles Davis. But if I'm in a real spiritual mood, I'd go see like the angels serenading the shepherds outside Bethlehem. But right now I'm in a Miles Davis mood. So uh, anyhow, have a have a meeting of icebreakers or games. And the reason you want to pre-select your icebreakers is some of them are a little like uh, not safe for families. Um, just so you know, I got a bunch of icebreakers and I was surprised what made it past some editors. Um, yeah, everyday issue number four, my pastor doesn't care about groups. Raise your hand if that is how you feel. may not be true, but it's how you feel. You feel that your pastor doesn't care about groups. Um, I was a senior pastor for three and a half years. And among the various roles that I've served in the church, that was the toughest one I ever had. It was tough. And I'm glad I did it because it taught me a lot about that role. I used to think to myself, this idiot doesn't know what he's doing. And then I was a senior pastor and I'd have the same thought. I'd sit at my desk and I would literally think this idiot doesn't know what he's doing. And the idiot is me. So um, just give the, give the guy a break. Or if you have a, a, a woman a senior pastor, give her a break. Give your pastor a break, okay? There's a lot going on in that person's mind. And, uh, and, and along with it, I'd say celebrate your opportunity because um, <laughs> here's just something you should know. Sometimes when senior pastors have very strong opinions about ministries, they tend to get involved in those ministries, and then they tend to direct those ministries, sometimes from afar and from sometimes from email and memo and text. And sometimes you're better off having some room to run. And if your pastor really legitimately is like, hey, it's fine. What you're doing is great. I think it's swell. I don't care then enjoy the freedom that comes with that because it gives you a real chance to pioneer something and build something from the ground up. And maybe as something builds some momentum within through the power of the Holy Spirit and the way you've done your deal, it's possible your senior pastor will see the good that's being done and go, hey, could we meet and talk about that? I really like what I'm hearing there. So um, celebrate that opportunity. Do what you can with what you have is what I'm getting at. You have some opportunity, so do what you can with what you have do not and i'm just going to tell you right now if you get nothing else out of this point of my pastor doesn't care about groups do not do not right do not are you clear on this this is what you are never ever ever to do do not judge or complain do not judge your pastor and do not complain if you feel that you must judge and complain then get yourself a very flammable journal. Write down all of your judgmental comments against your pastor and all your complaints, and then go in your backyard and burn it. Unless you're in California, the whole state's flammable. Don't burn it in the backyard. Burn it in your fireplace if you have one of those. If you don't have one of those, shred it. If you don't have one of those, uh, don't put it in a journal, okay? And, and here's why. One is you really don't know what's going around in your pastor's mind. And, uh, and then if you begin to complain about your pastor to people in your church, guess what? Your pastor will find out, even if you're in a big church. If you're a leader in a big church, your pastor will hear it because this is how it happens. You tell somebody you trust, oh, this is what this pastor, you know, this is what, you know, man. Uh, Tom just doesn't care at all about this ministry. This is Acts 2 kind of stuff. This is the early church, and Tom doesn't care. But you've told a very trusted friend. And your trusted friend makes it a prayer concern with their trusted friend, who then shares it with their trusted friend, who happens to be Tom's wife. It happens. I mean, just 
just know that there's a reason the Bible says don't gossip, not because it's sin, but because it's suicidal. Okay. It is sin by the way, but besides it being sin, it's just a stupid, stupid thing to do. So do not judge or complain. Um, and then if, if this is like a big burning deal, you're like, my pastor doesn't care. I care a lot about this. And my pastor actually just doesn't like it at all. Then move on. You know, you might need to move on and that's kingdom redeployment. It's, it's, it's not dishonorable. I mean, Paul and Barnabas split up over John Mark and they found a place to be friends later, but but, you know, I, I'd say sometimes that those tensions are the way that God uses our humanity uh, for something. So anyhow, uh, I hope that's helpful. All right. Occasional issue number five, and then we'll take a break. Occasional issue, issue number five. This is not an everyday issue. This one comes from time to time. A loss of vision for the ministry. You lose a vision for the ministry. So what do you do when you lose a vision for the ministry? Um, it happens again from time to time and running the same game plan for a while and you get kind of tired of the game plan or everybody else gets tired of it. Something that was super successful before becomes less successful. All right, what do you do? Pray. Pray. Pray really, I should have put it at the front of all of these issues, but pray, you know, um, take it before the Lord. Lord, I'm just struggling with my vision for this whole thing. Let him know. He knows already, so just be honest with him. Ask him for a new, fresh vision. Read books. Read books on education and read books on small groups. Uh, I've gone on eBay and bought a bunch of old small group books just because I think it's kind of interesting to see how no, none of us have written anything uh, new. I've written three books on small groups, and I've pretty much found most everything I've written in other books without even knowing they were there. Just to be clear, I haven't plagiarized. Just to be clear. I just... Didn't even know, oh, wow, that's almost common knowledge. I mean, it feels that way at times. So, but read books because there's there are some incredible, um, it, if nothing else, it, it might be a spur in your side. If I can borrow uh, the uh, metaphor from the book of Hebrews, it can, it can uh, jolt you. Uh, our good friend Steve, the uh, grand poobah of all this, he's written a handful of books that are very, very helpful. Uh, there's other uh, big swingers out there when it comes to hitting the ball with the big bat. That's what I mean by swingers, just to be clear, in case you've heard that use. Uh, I don't mean it the way it's used in the world. Sorry. Um, but back to uh, taking a, a, a big hit here. I mean, well, that's even the wrong metaphor, isn't it? I'm really struggling with my metaphor. Sorry about that. All right, read books. You get my gist. Uh, Steve's written some great books. Uh, if you run like a real clean, simple model, North Point, Bill Willis has got a great book on, on groups. If you don't do hardly, really, if you don't do anything else in your, um, your church, uh, Ryan Hartwig's got a great book on small groups. I've written a couple things that may or may not be helpful. All right. Uh, network with other groups, pastors. This is one of the cool things we have with the small group network. We are a network and it's a highly relational network. So network with other pastors, network on our Facebook group, um, uh, huddle up with other people in your community will help you form those huddles. I mean, you can announce it on the small group page or, or talk with our uh, coordinator for, for all those huddles because there's uh, early days of ministry. My first few years, I wouldn't have known what I was doing if it wasn't for two or three other prominent churches in our region that shared what they were learning. And from it, I have forged some lifelong friends. I have one friend in ministry, a guy named Juno Smalley, fabulous guy. And uh, it was through one of those networks that I met Juno, and we have been friends for 20 years now, more than. 
So it's uh, it's just a neat deal to to be able to forge those relationships. So attend a, attend a conference uh, would be another idea. Uh, we've got our lobby coming up in February. Hopefully, COVID holds back so we can do that thing live because it's one of my favorite things I go to because there's there's some content, but really the real big deal is the conversations around the fire pit and you get to just meet fabulous other people. And so attend a conference. I, like I said, I, I gave this thing at the right now media conference. That's a good conference. It's not specifically small groups, but it's, it's a good size one. And you get to meet other, a lot of the people who go to it are connected to groups because that's how they know of right now. Media. Um, and then if you come next year, make sure you swing by and say hi to me. I'd like to meet you. Uh, and then, uh, talk to other leaders at your church, you know, be honest with, you know, maybe it's your pastor or, uh, or other, uh, other small group leaders, something. If you're, if you're charged with the vision for this thing and you're struggling with the vision, just be honest and share with the other leaders in your church. I am struggling with the vision for this deal. And so, so, uh, all right, those are my, uh, those are the first five of, uh, navigating the inevitable, inevitable challenges that face small groups and uh, join me next time as i conclude wrap it up with the uh the final five of the 10 of the 10 inevitable challenges facing small groups and what to do about it all right hopefully this has been helpful i've had a great time with you i look forward to next time have a great week thank you for listening to group talk we invite you to subscribe to our podcast through itunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website, smallgroupnetwork.com, to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.